Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is August 17, 2023. We're being equipped for combat. The men you see up here tonight are from this fold, from this sheepfold. And we are sun soldiers with a burning desire to please our commanding officer. Amen. We're learning what it means to not be entangled in civilian affairs. There are many, but we're learning how to shrug them off left and right. Saints, there's a holy war, and there's a holy war cry that's being built up inside of this body. Can I get a hallelujah? hallelujah. Look, this is a war cry that cannot be shut up and has heaven and earth shaking power. So as we get into to it tonight, I want to share with you all a personal story. It's a true story. When I was in Afghanistan in 2009, July 23rd, I witnessed one of my friends get blown up out of a Humvee. That man was in the turret, and they were going down the road. They hit an a IED in the road, and he got blown out of the turret. He was... Uh, one of two survivors out of a total of four in the truck. And I was the one to roll up on the scene and put him in the helicopter. I didn't know it was him because his face was all bandaged up by that point. But he was, he was pretty beat up. And when I learned that it was him, it cut me pretty deep. You know, I grew up with that, with that guy in the Marines. I, I, I did a lot of training with him. We did a lot of life together in those four years. And in that moment, realizing that, that was a pretty tough pill to swallow. It was a rough day. The reason I'm bringing it up to you is because that man lost half his leg. He came home. He struggled, but he didn't stay there. He actually overcame that difficulty and is a better, now, a better man now than he was then. Can I tell you, he needs Jesus just as much as every single one of us. He needs to be born again, and if he's listening to this message, he knows who he is. How much more so for us in the kingdom? How much more so for us to go through, through difficult experiences where things are being cut off and to come out as better men? Saints, 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Can I tell you, when you're in a fight, you're going to take some damage. You're going to get hit. You might even lose a limb. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is what we are growing into. This is what Paul encouraged Timothy. And in, the, in his last letter, he said, I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race. The very thing that we're encouraging you tonight, we know it's not a one-time thing. We are fighting the good fight and it's a continual process. Let's all turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we're going to pick up in verse 6. It says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, that you may live. Saints, the Lord our God circumcises our heart. He circumcises the heart of our children so that we will love him with all of our heart and soul, so that we would have life in him. Amen. In the moments when things are being cut off, it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that good. It feels like we're being punished, doesn't it? I mean, I know that we can all relate to that, but God is doing it for our good. Amen. Saints, what we want to talk to you tonight about, and the, and the title of our message is combat readiness. Say that with us. Combat readiness. Combat readiness is a condition of the armed forces and their constituent units and formations, warships, aircraft, weapon systems, or other military or other military technology and equipment to perform during combat military operations or functions consistent with the purpose for which they were organized or designed, or the managing of resources and personnel in training preparation for combat. Oh, wow. What we are going through in our body and what God has been promising us is that we are being prepared for combat. Yeah. We are being made combat ready. When you hear the word combat, you know there's going to be some intense physical action. But even more so in the kingdom is intense spiritual action. We are learning what it means to take action in the kingdom of God. And that 
that means that we are going to have to be made combat ready. Amen. I'm going to go a little off notes real quick. I love the story, and it may seem like it's a little obscure. That's a rough story to hear. But what I got the privilege of hearing is that this man that Paul spent serious time with, that before the incident occurred, that he spent some serious time wrestling with each other. And there was some contention, as brothers do. And then this happened. Then this, this circumcision, if you will, of this leg happened. And you would think that man's out of the race. He's no longer able to be the man that he's called to be. As we we're talking last night, I find out that the man was not only still the man that he was to be, but he would yet still wrestle with Paul and still able to put him in submission, even with his nub. That, so that related to me, so that gives me hope. So we're just going out and say that tonight, we're going to wrestle with the realities of who we currently are. There is going to be a circumcision, and you know what? We're going to come out of that a better men and women than we were before we even entered. And it's not even going to matter what the circumcision was, but we're going to walk out as better men and women. So as, as we're going through, we're going to take the same reflective message, and you know what? We're going to dive even deeper. We're going to dive into three men of God lives, and we're going to tell you one by one, but the first one's going to be Job. Whew. Talk, I, I'll just let it sit for a minute, but as we have, as we have a limited amount of time, we're going to go ahead and we're going to turn to Job 1, verse 1, and I'll be honest with you, we have some good stuff here. Y'all can turn as you go, but we're going to go ahead, we're going to light it up tonight because yeah. the Lord is lighting us up as we are studying. So verse 1, oh, say combat ready when you're ready. When you're ready. See, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. See, although the word doesn't explicitly talk about a holy ground moment at this point in Job's life, but he is recorded as blameless and upright. Man, if you, if, I don't know about you, if you can't, that has to be a holy ground moment when Job himself is walking around on this earth and the Lord himself is saying, no, this man's blameless and he is upright. See, he feared God and he was able to turn away from evil. This didn't come just from a source of mere sheer obedience. No, this was a relationship with God. Job was a man who loved God and had an incredible devotion to pleasing his God. Is that not true? See, I don't want us to jump to the end of the story. We're talking about Job before we even know what happened all the way to chapter 42. We're experiencing the relationship with God that Job had. Man, this is a holy ground moment. We focus so much on the end, but realize the relationship he had in the beginning, and you'll be able to see how he made it through the end. As we go on to verse 8, it says, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. See, the word says that he, was, that he was perfect and righteous. Could you imagine being there and hearing the Lord say, have you considered my servant Job? See, this is how we know God revealed himself to Job in a holy ground moment. Yeah. That God himself presented his own creation to be tested. See, Job was blameless and upright, fearing God, and he even had an intimacy with God that was evident by his actions. See, this is the God of all creation talking about a man, saying there is none like him on earth. Come on. That's who, yeah, I don't, who is hungry to have the Lord speak to you, say, JJ, the Lord says there is none like you on earth, that you are like a son to him, and he is willing to put you through testing because he knows that which is inside of you. Come on. Look, this is the direction we're moving in tonight. Y'all have to track with us. Job was called out by the God of all creation, and he said, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no man like him in all the earth. Think through that. Because we're saying, 
We, we, there's nothing explicitly that says that he had a holy ground moment, but God is calling him out and saying, I have had holy ground moments with this man. I have revealed myself to this man, and he is righteous. There is none like him. In fact, I'm going to let you go ahead and test him. Come on. Saints, we want to be that kind of man, don't we? Yeah. Okay, so then you got to be ready for the testing. Yeah. you got to be ready. you got to be made ready for combat. Come on, our holy ground moment comes from when God reveals himself to us and what he says about who we are and what he has spoken about us. See, even Job 38, 1 through 3, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkness, who is this that darkness dark, darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. Gird up your loins. I will question you and you will make it known to me. See, in this moment, the Lord encounters Job at a time when he's been through so much. See, this is in, in Job 38. How much testing has he been through? How much loss has he experienced? But does God take it easy on Job? No, 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 he doesn't. But this holy ground moment for Job is going to lead to the circumcision necessary for Job to bring more glory to God. See, before we get to Job 42, we're going to take a few minutes and look at a few more insightful passages describing the very circumcision that took place in Job's life and talk about how it relates to us. So we're transitioning from a holy ground moment that the Lord called him, and now we're transitioning, and not only to see the loss, but see how the Lord instituted a relationship with him, and now we're going to see how the Lord tested him and what the Lord was able to pull out of Job's life. Come on, church. Are you combat ready? Yes. We won't let you sleep on us because we have our last 16 hours. Man, it's been a battle, and we're here for you, church. Come on, be with us. So in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, And when the day of the feast have run their courses, Joe will send, will send and consecrate them. And he will rise early in the morning and offer burnt offering according to the numbers of them all. For Joe say, It may be that my children have sinned, have sinned and cursed God in their hearts, though Joe did continually. So Job was a man that he did, did not assume that his children was righteous. He did not took anything for granted. He constantly wake up and offer burnt offering to the Lord to circumcise the things that don't belong in his house. Consider this. You that have a hard time receiving correction about how your children behave. Joe wasn't that kind of man. He was ready for battle, and he assumed that there was something that their children were, would, would, won't do right, and he was ready to correct it. Yeah. He was a man made for battle, and he was ready for it. He was ready to cut anything that don't belong on his house. He, he walked upright before the Lord. He was actively searching the areas in his house where he might offend the Lord and make it right. To cut off anything that don't belong to the kingdom, so he can present himself perfect before the Lord. Yeah. This was a practice of your, of, uh, of your life. I need to be on us as well. Yeah. That we cut what don't belong in our house, and we do it with the joy that you have, not looking to see that he actually was rejected by what his children did, did or what happened on his house. But actually seeking for that because he knew it was there. Yeah. Verse 12 says, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Wow, imagine this. The Lord is allowing Joe to be circumcised. He's actually offering him for circumcision. But think about what Cody just says. This is a righteous man. Yeah. Church, you are a church of righteous people. 
Nevertheless, there's things that need to be cut out from you. The Lord wants to perfect Job. He wants to make him pure and perfect. And Job was ready for battle. He was battle ready. Ready to go. And cut off anything that don't belong. And the Lord allowed him to be tested. And he was tested severely. But on these things, Joe never sinned. But it wasn't his end church. He didn't end there. The Lord actually delivered him. Let's continue reading on verse 20 and 22. Then Joe arose and tore his rope and shaved his, his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. This is all I see circumcision to you? Yeah. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all Job did, did uh, in, in, all job, uh, in all this, Job did not sin, or church God went wrong. Man, think about this. The enemy is trying to accuse you. He's putting charge in you. But God is allowing it to happen. Yeah. And on the, all this, Joe keep his eyes fixed in the Lord. Man, I know many times when the enemy is reminding me, oh, actually, things that I have done wrong. And he's telling me, you see? You always come back to this. This is who you are. You cannot get this right. But man, for the grace of God. For the grace of God and a new creation in God. And I tell, shut up. Shut your mouth. For I am new creation in God. And in him, there's no condemnation. You cannot condemn me. So I will rise up and circumcise that that, you're, that I just did. Because he will restore me. He will make me a new man. And then a new creation in him. Amen. And I will take no chance. On letting things. In my heart. When the Lord. Show it to me. But I will let it cut off from my heart. Church. We need to grasp this tonight. God did not take chance. God did not charge God when wrong doing. He don't take a chance. On that. But he offered himself immediately to God to be renewed. Yeah. Church, the hill of the foreskins is not there to remind you of what you did wrong. It's there to remind you that this is a constant process to cut off so that you can move forward. That repro reproach is rolled away so that you could move forward and advance the kingdom of God. Amen. In Job's life, we see this perfectly in chapter 42, picking up in verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. This isn't the end for Job. This, uh, this is a new beginning in his life. As he is being stripped down to nothing, he's ready to move forward in advancing the kingdom of God. How many times have we spoken? How many times have we spoken about things that we don't understand? Things too far, far too wonderful for us to grasp. Things like you cried out on the altar one Sunday for the Lord to allow you to suffer for his name. And then come that next Monday when you're dealing with the difficulty crying out and wondering why it's happening. Instead of recognizing that God is actually meeting you in that moment so that things can be cut off. And you can be, bring more glory to him so that a greater uh, fashion of his glory can be revealed in your life. Amen. Job's response in the circumcision of his heart is I despise myself. 
and repent in dust and ashes. And saints, this is what we're presenting to you tonight. When we're talking about the holy ground moments and we're talking about circumcision, this is what, what where we're really pointing at. We're talking about what we can do, what we can offer back to God in those moments so that we can be made new. But God doesn't leave Job here. When we get this right, like Job did, we'll know for certain God will bring his sea-splitting miraculous power to invade our lives for the benefit of others. So continuing on in Job 42 in verse 10, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Can we just pause there for a moment? That restoration came in Job's life when he turned to pray for his friends. The very friends that beat him down, the very friends that misunderstood God and certainly misunderstood what was going on in, in Job's life, he prayed for them. He offered sacrifices for them. Amen. It says in verse 11, Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in his house. And they showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a gold ring. This is interesting. And I know, I know a lot of us don't like to hear that. All the evil that God allowed to come on him. All the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. But that's what the word says. The Lord allowed these things to happen to him so that he would be circumcised. And in that moment, because of the way that Job responded, the Lord... Uh, he multiplies him. He, he returns to him double what he had before. That is something that only God can do. That is the reward that we're looking for. Those sea-splitting moments aren't just impactful for us. They were impactful for his friends. They were impactful for those around him. His brothers and sisters came back to him. Saints, when we respond rightly and we allow our hearts to be circumcised, it impacts our brothers around us. Not only was Job doubly blessed through this whole process, but his friends were shown mercy and their sacrifices accepted because of Job's prayer for them. And God had revealed himself to Job and Job revealed God to his friends by, by presenting his heart bare before God. And he underwent one of the most severe circumcisions as a righteous and blameless man. And we continue to go back to that because we know, we know that there are things that we are downright wrong for that the Lord is dealing with us. But there are other things where we are fighting for righteousness and we're walking this out and God is still allowing it to happen. And we're saying, don't shrink back from it. We need you to persevere through this time. We need you to let your faith increase in that sea splitting moment because it's gonna cause our faith to increase. It's gonna cause us to be able to stand up here and preach even more boldly as we see you stand up fighting for righteousness and these things are being cut off in your life. Amen. With that, we're going to turn to another man. We're going to turn to Daniel chapter 2. And we're going to look at his life. As y'all turn there, man, I'm fired. I'm some kind of fired up. Looking at Job's life at a holy ground moment that he's blameless before God himself. And the Lord offers him the opportunity to sacrifice. And he walks out. And at verses before we read in verse 18 and 19, his sons and daughters died. And he responded rightly. Yeah. And we're looking at the culmination of his life. That not only was he added to, but the friends around him, he was added sons, daughters, and those around him were being saved because of his righteousness and blameless life. Yeah. As, we, as we start in Daniel 2, verse 17 through 22, we're going to read about Daniel. It says, Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. And told them to seek mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven, and Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. See, we stand here in unity just as Daniel stood in unity with his friends. See, as they gathered together, the Lord spoke to them about that which, we needed, that which was going to be made known. Yeah. See, they were seeking together because they were standing on holy ground. This was a holy ground moment. 
The cost is high, and there is a seeking of the Lord, and the Lord shows up. See, where there are two or three gathered in his name, there I am with them. See, our unity will create holy ground moments for us. As we gather together, let's just, we're going to, we have a lot to cover. As we wrestle with this, whenever you gather in your Mashlokov meetings, are you expecting a holy ground moment? Whenever you're seeking the Lord, you're like, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I know who to seek about what to do. And as you're seeking that, the Lord shows up and it creates that holy ground moment. See, you want to see the, you want to see more holy ground moments in your life. We're learning. Church, we're learning that we must get closer to our body. We're learning that there is no longer allowed any gaps between us, between our team, or even between our pastors and elders. See, your family, your team, and the community, we are one body. See, it's our pure and wholehearted prayers to God that makes us able to stand in the holy ground moments. See, as we seek God for, as as we're seeking God for our life, He will help us and give us revelation for the lives of those around us. And he will allow us to have vision and insight for the holy ground moments for us and the brothers around us. See, what we're constantly looking, just as Daniel did, he was looking to partner with God of what he wanted to do on the earth. See, this brings a holy ground moment. Take the story away. Take take the foreknowledge away. Take a... A man, a brother praying and saying, Lord, only you alone know, Lord, would you speak to me? And the Lord shows up. How many of us have had that very thing where we're seeking the Lord? So, Lord, I have no answer for this. We're praying and the Lord shows up. Raise your hand. Amen. So we all know what, what Daniel is going through. What's even great is that this leads not just to a moment where, praise God, you showed up, but it leads us to action just as it does in Daniel's life. Come on, you want more holy ground, holy ground moments? Yes. Come on, get closer to your brother. Amen. Get closest to them. Pray constantly to the Lord. Seek his purpose, and you will receive holy ground moments. Let's continue on verse 23. He says, To you, O God of my Father, I give thanks and praises, for you have given me wisdom and might. And have now made known to me what we ask of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. This is a circumcision moment for Daniel. And you need to pay close attention to this. Daniel could have taken matter on his own hands. He could say that the Lord actually showed the revelation to him. But he do not took credit for himself. He cut off toxic independence yeah. from his life. Yeah. He realized that he needed his brothers constantly. He was combat ready. For when the Lord showed him, he realized that it wasn't only for him, but it was for his brother next to him. He removed the selfishness of taking manner on his own hands and recognizing that we are his brother. He wouldn't get there. We need that. We need to recognize that we are our brothers. We won't see the fullness of God in the land of the living. That we need each other to see God's fullness in our life. If we want holy ground moments in our life, we need to remove the flesh. Because you're having the holy ground moment is not enough. If you don't remove the fledgling nation, it's just becoming ineffective. It doesn't do anything but just knowledge. You don't produce the fruit of the kingdom when you don't circumcise your heart constantly on every situation. Daniel, instead, he implemented unity. He credited his brother and the team to what God showed them. Daniel implemented the strength of the body and the, full, and the fundamental working together as a team, relying in the brotherhood. Relying on, on knowing that I need my brothers and my brothers need me. Yeah. They allow him to go further and advance the kingdom with force. Let's keep reading on verse 25. Then Arioch, 
brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. Saints, Daniel, rightly circumcising toxic independence out of his life, this, this allows for a holy ground moment for Nebuchadnezzar. See, he had already experienced it, but he didn't know what he was having. Saints, can I tell you that when you invite your brothers into your life, when you share with them what God is doing, you'll realize that God actually revealed himself to you in a way that is special in a way that you might have thought less of, in a way that you may not have understood, Daniel is able, because his heart was circumcised, to then bring to Nebuchadnezzar and say, hey, you have experienced a holy ground moment as well. This is incredible. This might be one of the best stories wrapped up in one where a Gentile king has a holy ground moment, his heart is circumcised, and he gets to see a sea-splitting moment of the God of all creation working on his behalf. Verse 30 says, but as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Saints, through circumcision comes humility. When we are rightly being circumcised in our hearts, there is humility that rises up. We don't want any glory for ourselves. We have the ability to see things rightly, and it removes the desire to steal glory from God. The world will present us opportunities to take glory for ourselves, but we need to circumcise our hearts. You know where, where we can relate most in this matter is in our workplace, right? You, yes? Okay, good. You are a righteous man, you're a righteous woman in your workplace, and you have an opportunity to bring a revelation to one of your superiors, somebody who's an authority to you. If your heart is not right before God, if you're not coming with humility, and you haven't undergone that circumcision, you're going to miss the mark. They're not going to get the revelation that God intends for them. They're not going to experience that holy ground moment. Can you see how important it is for you to have your heart circumcised? For you to not want any glory in it, but to see that it's a benefit for them? It's not any wisdom that I have, but rather that the God of all creation chose to let me have this holy ground moment. Chose to circumcise my heart in this moment so that you can get a revelation. Saints. The, the holy ground moments alone, we're saying, cannot just be a holy ground moment. There's a circumcision that's atta attached to it. God allows us to stand in a moment of holiness so we can use that experience to remove from our flesh uh, what is sinful, what is not of, fr from the Lord, and so that we can serve others. This is what we need to increase our faith and strength. Let's go to Daniel 2 and verse 46 through 49. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and one bad Negro over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. See, one of the greatest examples of the immediate effect of when a man of God endures this process rightly, we see that not only did it affect him, it affected the king, and it affected the brothers around him. Yeah. See, we can't express how how impactful our lives are to the world around us. See, what I start off with a singular man in a holy ground moment chose to be circumcised, and what happened? The king of a nation 
acknowledged the Lord. Those who were around him were saved from death itself because of one man's obedience. See, it's crucial for us to undergo the circumcision of our hearts so that others can get a revelation from God. See, his... Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. His devotion to find the revelation and to continue cutting the things out of himself that are of this world that do not belong. See, that was the sea-splitting moment for Daniel. It was the moment that his devotion matched with his obedience and matched with the holiness of God. And it prepared a sea-splitting moment where he was able to walk through because he had, the, he had the holy ground moment. Because he chose to sacrifice. And he chose to walk in obedience through the very sea. And to see the, the king manifested in ways that he's never seen before. See, his revelation of God and circumcision made him able our devotion to seek him and cut off what does not belong will make us able to split the sea and will be able to do what seems impossible. Amen. It will allow us to do what may seem impossible. How many impossibilities have, do we have in this room and yet we're quiet and not acknowledging? Can I tell you, I was that person. See, we're acknowledging and we're wrestling with that. No, this was not just a poof, it's done. This is a man who wrestled, had an experience, and he had enough faith to push past his own circumcision, and the Lord is providing a way. And we're acknowledging, saying, no, that's our God who provides a way in the midst where there is no way, and the Lord is establishing us just like he established Daniel. Look, we want y'all to see this, that Daniel did not just... Uh, gain for himself. He called his brothers up as well. He says that he uh, he called for a, an appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Do you know that as, as they are joined with Daniel through this process, they get to go through the same process, right? They get thrown into the fiery furnace later on, and they go through the exact same process. Saints, when we go through this process rightly, it is impactful for our brothers, and it has incredible implications. We're telling you right now, do not shrink back from the circumcision in your life. You want to see deliverances in your life? Who wants to see deliverances in their life? Let me tell you right now. It is for every single person in this room, and it is something that we're not going to let go of. We're going to say, you can have that very deliverance as you choose to stand firm through this process, as you choose to render your heart before God and say, yes, Lord, I'm not sure why this is happening right now, but I trust that you're circ circumcising my heart for something better. You're circumcising my heart so I can see your mighty hand move in my life. Our revelations of God and the cutting away of the unnecessary things in our life will bring salvation to others and will allow us to serve them well. Saints, what are we talking about tonight? Combat readiness. Combat readiness. We're talking about going to war. Isn't it funny that we talked about Job and Daniel and you don't see anything about war in their lives? Yeah. I, I thought it was funny. I'm not laughing right now, but I thought it was funny. The, the reason why we went to these men's life is because you see the very same character that we talked about in Moses, that we talked about in Joshua, that we talked about in Jesus. We see that same character through the same process. We see the same development. You know that we can know for certain these men were ready for war. These men were combat ready. Saints, we are being made combat ready. We are going to become better servants, better servants to our brothers. It is required that we do not let the devil steal our revelation of who God is and what God has said that you are. It is imperative that you hold on to what God has said to you in those holy ground moments. And the way that you do that is the circumcision of your heart. Come on. We're talking about shedding off unnecessary weight. We're talking about shedding off that which hinders so that we can move forward and advance the kingdom. When we serve in this way, we gain an excellent standing and a greater boldness in our faith. So we're going to move on to Samuel's life. Y'all going to pick up the pace with us. Let's get ready to look at another man of God's life to see how this life-changing process of having holy ground moments led into circumcision and paved the way to earth-shattering, sea-splitting experiences that still affect us to this day. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse 7. Say holy ground moment when you get there. 
Church, we're not talking about anything strange. Your holy ground moment is when you hear the word of God speaking to you and impacting you in a way that causes you to cough, to cut off the things that don't belong. And then you receive power. This is nothing strange to us. But it's something that we need to look constantly. For those changing moments in our life. To know that we need transformation power in our hearts. Let's read on verse 7. It says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. So here Samuel is actually in the, in the temple when Eli. And the Lord is calling him. And since he don't know the Lord, he's going to Eli. And Eli saying, I have not called you. So uh, Samuel is frustrated because he don't know what to do. So now this is what happened. The word of the Lord has not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and says, here I am, you call me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lay down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as, uh, uh, calling as, sorry, calling as at the Lord, uh, as at other time. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel say, speak, for your servant is listening. Church, we need to develop a year to hear the Lord. So we can stand where he's standing. We need to develop a year where we know where he's calling us, what he's saying to us, so we can experience holy ground moment. It's not good enough just to be nearby. A proximity is not enough. You have to experience holy ground moments with the Lord. Where you know he's speaking to you. That you're wrestling with his word. And you let it cut in you. In a way that you know. You need circumcision. You need to be transformed. Verse 11. And the Lord said to to Samuel. See I'm about to do something. In Israel. That will make. The ears of everyone. Who's who's here. uh, On its tringle. And that time. I will carry out against Eli. Everything I spoken against his family from beginning to the end. Church, Samuel, he did not know the Lord. It was his holy ground experience that revealed God to him. It was his holy ground experience that showed him what he was called for, what he was called for, what God desired on his life. Man, this is, this is impacting to me. Because I'm teaching my sons. We teach him, we read in the Bible. As we finish, we start praying. And I listen to my son Daniel praying. I promise God I won't cry. I listen to him praying. And he praying to the God of heaven. To transform his heart. To make him a shepherd. So he can shepherd those that are his. He's crying out to the Lord. To make him stand in righteousness. To behave. To be obedient. He's crying out God. I want to obey you. And he asked me. Dad. I want to see Yeshua. said, Dad, I want to see God. I saw him, son, I am the image of God on the house. What you see in me is what God is. And at that moment, I realized that I'm not what he is. But nevertheless, he has called me to it. And he says that I am what he is. Amen. And I make to him image. And man, that causing me to rise up to what he called me. Yeah. He says that I want to give Jesus a hug. I say, come hug me, son. For I am his image. Yeah. And the moment that I fell, 
I will repent, but I will make sure that I'm a father to you like he is to me. Amen. Man, that caught my heart. That caused me to rise up to what the Lord has called me. That the accusation of the enemy, I throw those away because the only thing that matters is the holy ground moment when God says that I am who he said I am. Amen. That's the only thing that matters in my life. Yeah. I didn't get it right the next day. I didn't get it right the day after that. But I know I have a holy ground moment. And I will let circumcisions to be in my heart. Come on. How many times we get close to the Lord? How many times we are near to Him, but we're not willing to listen? How many words our brothers speak to us constantly? But we just go by and don't let it cut up to our hearts. Don't let us impact us where we meditate on it constantly. And we actually refuse the holy ground moment. Or meditating on the scripture and letting it impact in us. And I'm speaking to somebody here. Yes. The Lord spoke through the others, through Eli. The Lord will speak through your elders, Amen. through your pastors, yes. through your brothers. For you to have holy ground moments. Amen. Come on, we're going to transition in this man of God's life into the circumcision that we so clearly see. In 1 Samuel 3, starting verse 15, it says, Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Let's just engage with this for a moment. Did, did what Marlon just shared impact you? Yeah, it's impacted me, and I promise I'm not going to cry. Maybe not. See, let's put ourselves in Samuel's shoes. You spent your life trained up. You've been sleeping in the temple. You're being equipped with the very words of God. You're seeking his direction, preparing for combat, preparing. I don't, I don't know what in my life is going to come, but I'm preparing the best way I know how. And when he's hit with the holy ground moment, what creeps in? Boom, fear. See, what would you be thinking? Did the Lord really say this? I mean, I know I just experienced this, but what is the Lord really asking of me right now? Well, I, I know I need to talk to him, but is this really the best time? Maybe, maybe I'll talk to him tomorrow. You know, I can wait for a more opportune time. Wrong. cowardice. See, Samuel knew that he must obey his commanding officer and he wanted to please him. Amen. See, in verse 16, we're going to continue. It says, but Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what is it that I have, that he has told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me. Of all that he has told you. See, this was hitting me in the feels, Spencer. See, I'm looking at my own life and I'm asking myself this question. But church, has the Lord ever spoken to you a direction for you, your brothers, your family, your wives, or kids? But it wasn't the encouraging word you were looking for. See, he was actually dealing with their sinful behavior that's been ignored by you for some time. See, we're short on time, but the Lord is not short in what he's doing here. This was me this week. See, I realized in my own house that I've been ignoring key areas in my own family. The Lord spoke to me through correction, through brothers, through pastors, but in my own sinfulness, I was ignoring it. I was ignoring the consistency of discipline that I need to lead my wife in. I was ignoring the leading my wife in full transparency. And you know what? I was completely blind to it. And the Lord was asking, say, no, this needs to be circumcised. But I was trying to look for a better opportune time. See, 
Is transparency for you just a telling of events? Is it, hey, pastor, this is exactly what's going on, and you're just telling events, but you're not actually exposing, you're not actually sharing where you've been circumcised? That's been me this week. See, but the Lord is encouraging us, and he's equipping us that when we share, we're actually being intimate with each other, that when we're sharing true intimacy, we're sharing where God is cutting us away, cutting the flesh away in our most intimate places. See, we're struggling and we're wrestling with the fact that I don't want to be known for telling what only happens and not actually getting to the heart of the matter. No, this is where the Lord's circumcising me, brother. See, in verse 18, it says, so Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, we're struggling and we're wrestling with this, but the reality is that the Lord is equipping us with the holy ground moment Because he's maturing us, church. He's 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 maturing us through a dying process. The hill of foreskins is not your end. Let's grab this tonight. What I thought was my end. I'm like, man, every pastor I'm talking to, I'm at Tuesday night and Nick's like, yeah, man, there's two areas you need to grow in. You know what I did? I weeped on my way to the house because it was that crucifixion. I knew as soon as I walked through my house, I had to crucify and it was me. It wasn't her. If you're struggling with this crucifixion, with this circumcision, that is the grip that you're doing. And it wasn't Nick, but it was God speaking through him. And it's because I had the confidence, because my brother has been there in the holy ground moments, and he's pushing me on saying, no, brother, there's more circumcision that needs to happen. See, this is not a way that we're dead men, but we're actually more alive when this happens. See, we're we're reading the uh, Samuel, and we're saying, wow. Samuel told everything and hid nothing from him. I want to be like him in every circumstance, with every meeting with a pastor, with every opportunity with my wife to say how my day's been. That is what we're going to do. See, this bold cutting away of his flesh and abandonment of what it would cost him to be truly transparent is what the Lord was spoken in the way that he's been paving for him the whole time. See, it was the holy ground moment that gave him the confidence to say, I don't care what it costs. I'm going to give it to my king. See, these moments embolden us to continue to cut off the excess flesh and shed the fleshly pounds so we can have nothing hindering us from from being ready on the day of battle. See, in every area spiritually, I can tell you the Lord is cutting off excess pounds. Physically, the Lord has been good to me and there's excess pounds falling off. But can I tell you the glory of God in my life is not going to be how much the weight I lost, but that which the Lord has done through a man like me. That the Lord has placed me in a house, that he has given me a holy ground moment, that he's encouraging me that the circumcision isn't fatality, but is actually that which qualifies me to have the confidence to look at the C-splitting moments and say, though I may not see it yet, Lord, you're going to provide a way. Hey, Cody. Verse 19 says, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Brother, you are growing and none of your words will fall to the ground. Let's go to uh, chapter seven of first Samuel. We're going to pick up in verse 10. It says that Samuel was offering up the burnt offering. The Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. And they were defeated before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below beth Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Saints, this is a sea-splitting moment. And it's not just a moment. It is a cycle. The Lord showed up and thundered. A mighty sound was heard. And Samuel and Israel had victory that day and continually. The Lord was continually against Samuel's enemies. Look, our life of service to the Lord is for the people. Just like Samuel's life of service was for the people. 
Look, and it led to a lifetime of victory over his enemies. Saints, that's what we're moving toward. It leads to a lifetime of victories over our enemies. God's supernatural empowerment comes after the circumcision of our heart. Do you hear that? After the circumcision of our heart, do we get to experience the mighty hand of God. In 1 Samuel 16, 1, after all that's been done in Samuel's life, there was yet more to be done. He has been faithful in difficult times, and he has been commissioned by God to anoint King David as king over Israel. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get for him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. And now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. Saints, from Samuel to David, we are seeing the impact of a man of God who is choosing to remove everything that would hinder him, and we can now see the eternal results of one man's obedience. Saints, David is the ancestor of Jesus Christ. This is what we are looking forward to. We see that this passed on from one man's life, and we see that from Jesus it is passed down to us. In this campaign of war, David was anointed by God's will and was commissioned as king. We can, and we can clearly see now that the holy ground moments that turned into circumcision and paved the way for those sea-splitting moments impacts us to this very day. We, saints, we are being trained in a house of spiritual generals, and they are raising around them men who can and will take it further just as David did in Samuel's life. This process is not about you. This process is about what it does for others. Saints, we're going to pick up a rapid fire pace and talk about how David had mighty fighting men gather around him. In 1 Chronicles 12.8, the Gadites were mighty experienced warriors. They were experts with shield and spear, and they had faces like the faces of lions. As I look around this room, I see the faces of lions in this room. In verse 14, these Gadites were officers of the army. The least was a match for a hundred and the greatest for a thousand. As I look around this room, I see the least are a match for a hundred and the greatest a match for a thousand. The oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You got me fired up. First Chronicles 12, 18. Then the spirit clothed Amasai, chief of the 30. And he said, we are yours, O David, and are with you, O son of Jesse. Peace. Peace to you and peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. Then David received them and made them officers of his troops. We're talking about officers of his troops, and that's the elders and pastors, and it's the men of God that are being raised up here and now. 21 and 22, they helped David against the band of riders, for they were almighty men of valor and were commanding in the army. I see men here that are commanders in the army. For from, from day to day, men came to David to help him until there were a greater army like the army of God. That's what we're becoming, men like the army of God. In verse 32, it says of Issachar, men who have understanding of the times. That's who we are, church. That's what our, our sea-splitting moments are doing in us, that we are men that discern the time. To know what Israel ought to do. To know what the church ought to do. To know what we need to do on each other's life. We become in chief in the kingdom of God. Chronicles 12, 38 says, All these men of war, men of war, arrayed in battle order, order came to Hebron with a whole heart to make David king over all Israel. Likewise, all the rest of Israel were of a single mind to make David king. So you can read through 1 Chronicles 12 on your own time to get a deeper revelation of the caliber of men that we're talking about. See, these men are experts in war. They are the John Wicks of their days. They're elite warriors, and they're the best of the best, like an army of God. See, in this house, 
this is what we see. Amen. Yeah, you, you like that? See, how, how, they, how did they get here? How did they just, and they're there? No, it was the same process that has been laid out and poured for us that we've been going through again and again tonight. See, holy ground moments that lead to circumcision of hearts, which leads to sea-splitting moments, create earth-shaking warriors of God. See, these men experience this throughout the course of their lives as part of David's army and as individuals. See, they were witness to this in David's life, who witnessed it in Samuel's. See, it's that progression. It's a one life, one family, and it affected a whole nation. It affected Samuel to David and to the mighty men that we're now reading about. See, these men learned from David what it looked like to be cut off from themselves. To continually cut off what cannot remain in order to join the very service for the king and for their brothers. Amen. See, when we talk about these men, we're talking about the men and women of this room. Amen. See, we can look around and see that which has been cut off so that you can join the service. We're looking at the, at the earth-shattering moments where you've chosen him over everything else. See, let's turn to Hebrews 12.1. Oh, yeah. See, we're coming... We're, we're at an hour and one minute, but I promise you, this is what this is worth hanging on to. Come on, Ray Pena, we're going in the Amplified. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily, easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that was set before us, looking away from all that, was, that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith. For the, for the first incentive of our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal. Saints, for the joy of accomplishing the goal it was set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Saints, well, why we focused in on circumcision. You know, you have that holy ground moment, you weren't looking for God, but he revealed himself to you. When you have that sea-splitting moment, there is nothing you can do, and God's mighty right hand moves on your behalf. But when we talk about circumcision right there in the middle, there's a response that we get to have where we are actually offering, we're presenting our heart before God so that we can actually experience the fullness of his sea-splitting moment. What we learn from Job's life, from Daniel's life, and from Samuel, Samuel's life is what it looks like to be made combat ready. They were blameless and upright men before God, but they still needed to have active circumcision in their life. Even the most righteous among us need active circumcision. I can tell you as I sat in that seat and watched my pastors preach, my heart was cut knowing that this is how they're dealing with their own hearts. He had the same faith. They had the same faith as the patriarchs, and they underwent the same process just as they did. And you can be sure that they were combat ready through the circumcision of their hearts. Saints, tonight... Intimate moments of circumcision with the Lord, that stripping off allows us to move forward and advance the kingdom of heaven. Sound booth, can we put that slide from Sunday up on, on the screen? These three foundational elements that are perfected in us. Holy ground moments inspires others to behold the glory of God. Did you see that in these men's life? Circumcision awaken, awakens the spirit of God in others. Did you see that in these men's life tonight? Sea yeah. splitting, it eradicates their fear and increases their faith. Did you see that tonight? Yeah. Can you see that happening inside of us? Yeah. Do you know we, have, we are wrestling with these things and we know that the test that we are going through this very day up to the very hour that we're coming up to this stage, we know God is doing something. He's moving inside of us so that y'all can be moved to greater heights. You can increase in your faith. We, what we have learned and are still learning 
is at the holy ground and sea-splitting moments have everything to do with God's faithfulness to us. It is the presentation of our hearts to be circumcised that has to do with us. Stand on your feet, church. You actually will stand in the ground. This moment right now is a holy ground moment. This church is a holy church. What we've been speaking to you is that you already have holy ground moments. But there's more. Today is a holy ground moment. That's a gift from God to you. The circumcision is what you do in the holy ground moment. And the sea splitting power is what comes out of that circumcision. And that is from God. So you do what you must do today. As I pray, open your eyes to the holy ground moment the Lord has given you. As I start praying, let circumcision be done in your soul. And rise up to the mighty power that is the mighty hand of God that is with you right now. Heavenly Father, we praise you, God. We thank you, Father, for you have revealed to us, Father, many things, God. You have given us, Father, testimony after testimony, God. You have given us, God, holy ground moments, Father. You have given us, Father, where to stand, a solid foundation, God. And we desire far for our hearts to be changed, God. To change our attitude, Father, that we know, God, that we don't have your character yet. But we desire, Father, to be like you. Remove everything, Father, that don't belong, Father, that is from the flesh. And transform us, Father, to your image. Give us, Father, the mighty arm of power. The mighty arm, God, that is on you, God. Let your mighty arm be with us like it was with Moses. Like it was with with Daniel, God, that it was with Job, that it was with Samuel, Father. Let it be with us, Father, so we have power, power, Father, in you, and we are able, God, as you are able, for you have made us in your image. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.